Fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Forget him, kid. To infinity and beyond! It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me, and my natural response could be to get offended. Well, fine, let's talk about it. Any thoughts of, of your own on this matter? But you, is that your thing? You come into a bar, you read some obscure passage, and then pretend you, you pawn it off as your own idea just to impress some girls? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. All right, campers, rise and shine. Don't forget your booties because it's cold out there today. It's cold out there every day. What is this, Miami Beach? That's right, Woodchuck Chuckers. It's Groundhog. Groundhog's Day. Groundhog Day. All right. Well, I am John. You've heard Bo. The the silent man in black sitting back in the corner over there is Patrick Canagallo. Although your shirt looks a little bit more, little bit, little bit more charcoal. I don't know if you're the man in black. Uh, yeah, this this one has this one has been washed. It's faded. Okay, with age. Okay, well, and who isn't? Indeed. Bing. Mm-hmm. Bing. Ned Ryerson. Bing again. You are sharp as a tack. Well, our episode this time around is Groundhog Day. We spoil freely here, so just be warned. We're just going to, we're talk. we talk here, and if you start to hear us talking about a movie you don't want to hear anything about, I'd say skip ahead 20 seconds or so. You'd probably be pretty safe. Visit our website if you haven't already, 30podcast.com. You can leave a rating, voicemail. You can become a co-executive producer via Patreon over there, where we've got a bunch of bonus stuff over on our Patreon site. So go check that out. Lots of bonus episodes over there, lots of fun over there. There's also some other benefits. You could come on the show with us or tell us what to watch and, and so on and so forth. How are you gents doing? How's things? How are things going? Pretty good, John. Yourself? How are you? Doing all right. I'm doing all right. It is not, uh, today was kind of a, it was a nice sunny day. It was not cold. It was not gray and it did not last me the rest of my life. So there you go. It's really all you can ask for. It's true. It's true. Yeah. So I, I don't know that we have too many other things going on. I might just go ahead and jump right on into Groundhog Day here. So this one is Groundhog Day, came out on the 12th of February, 1993, rated PG with a runtime of one hour and 41 minutes. Harold Ramis was the director. He died in 2014. He directed National Lampoon's Vacation and Caddyshack. He was also one of the writers for this one. He was also one of the producers for this. He has also written Ghostbusters and Stripes, and he produced SETV and Multiplicity. And then another writer for this one is Danny Rubin. He did Hear No Evil. Another producer for this one was Trevor Albert. He did Multiplicity. Quick shout out for our buddies over at the Shirley Can't Be Serious podcast. They just recently did some episodes in which they pitted together Multiplicity and Groundhog Day. So really good couple of episodes over there. Go go check those out. Let's see. Music for this one was done by George Fenton. 
who also did Ever After and You've Got Mail. Cinematography by John Bailey, who did In the Line of Fire and American Gigolo. Editor was done by Pembroke J. Herring, who died in 2020. He did Tora, 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 and Out of Africa. Budget for this one was $14.6 million. Box office, $70.9 million. Flick Metrics gives it a 78%, and CinemaScore gives it a B+. Starring Bill Murray as Phil. He was in Ghostbusters, Lost in Translation. Annie McDowell was Rita. She was in Multiplicity and Michael. Chris Elliott was Larry. He was in There's Something About Mary and Cabin Boy. Stephen Tobolowsky was Ned. He was in Spaceballs and Thelma and Louise. Brian Doyle Murphy was Buster. He was in Caddyshack and JFK. Back and to the left. Back, back to and the to left. the left. Marita Garrity was Nancy. She was in Sleeping with the Enemy and Broadcast News. And she sounds like a squirrel when she gets excited. Angela Patton died in 2016. She was Mrs. Lancaster. She was in Flatliners and Lolita. Pat, do you remember the movie Flatliners? Yeah, that was a comedy. Yeah, I bet. Uh, I bet if I, I bet. I bet if I gave you a clue, you could remember that movie in less than uh, six words. Dude, I bet you I could give you a clue that would make you remember that movie in less than five words. Fine, I bet I could do it in less than three words. I bet I could guess longer than, okay. I, I, I bet I could utter a guttural sound and guess that movie. And then <laughs> die. You said utter. I, I did. <laughs> utters, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I don't know why blah, 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 blah makes me think of utters, but for some reason that's. Why I, not? I, I don't, I don't know. Blah, 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 blah. It's utters. <clears throat> Pat, are you it's back on that boat? With silly. The, are you back on that boat with the drums again? <laughs> That's a that's a that's a deep cut from like four years ago. I know, but the uh, one person, that, but Bazooka, listening to this is yeah. laughing right now. Oh, oh yeah, insanely. and then finally Rick Dukum, who died in 2015, played Gus. He was in Spaceballs and The Burbs. Uh, some... saying, there's a lot of cool names in this. Yeah, there are. Rick Dukamoon. Yeah, I think I said it right. And then there's what was it? Yeah, we're going with it. And then there was that, the was it the, the editor was Pembroke, the guy that worked on Tora Tora Tora? Yeah. yeah. What was Pe- that name? Pembroke? Pembroke J. Herring. Wow. And there were, that's that. awesome. That was an of the, awesome name. Of there the Danforth Herrings, I mean. Yes. I mean. Yes. Yes, Pembroke. Yes, Pembroke, Pembroke, and his brother Chaz. There was actually, so I almost thought for a second that these were fake names because I feel like when I was looking at the list of cast and crew for this movie, that there was someone else in the crew whose last name was Fish. And I was like, wait a minute. You've got a fish, you've got a herring. You, mm. <laughs> something, something smells a little off here. I don't know. But, you know, if nothing else, so we can take Pembroke and carry him into the deepest part of the forest and cut down a tree with him mm. after we've set up a nice shrubbery with a, a little path going down the middle that makes a, a tiered effect and and then we will no longer be the knights who say knee and then cut down a tree with a herring with Pembroke J. Herring that's with right Pembroke J. that's right that's what's going to happen Ah, so let's see. Oh, yeah, we went through all the people here. So some quick trivia on this one. So this movie was shot primarily in the town of Woodstock, Illinois, which stood in for the fictional town of Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. The town now actually holds an annual Groundhog Day Festival in February in honor of the movie. 
Here's an interesting one. The role of Phil Connors, which is played by Bill Murray, was originally offered to, do you guys know? I did. I know, but that was because I was listening to our friends at the Shirley podcast so reiterating what you said. Well, yes. Awesomeness. Yeah. It was originally offered to Tom Hanks. Yeah. I feel like Tom Hanks is too nice of a guy to play the to to play Phil Connors in the uh, in the first part of this movie. Yeah, I do well, wonder they, like would it be very very different? Well, then they discuss that yeah. in the Shirley guys discuss that some of the story leading up to it. And so again, I'm just the third time now reiterating mm-hmm. listen to those guys cuz I mean the yeah. podcast is awesome one and two. Like with this movie, it's it's really it's interesting. And it, again, just like you said, Bo, it's like how we're like constructing is that you know, would he be I'm sure Tom Hanks can do anything. So I mean, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm sure he would be able to True do that. that. But like like you said, is is Bill Murray just seems to kind of have that edge a little bit yeah. A little bit more. It would definitely be there. a different movie. Yeah. As is, I think, usually the case, Bill Murray was able to improvise many of his lines in the movie, including the famous I'm a God speech. <laughs> whether whether his buddy Harold Ramis was thrilled with him improvising a bunch of his lines, that's another story. But uh, The filmmakers in this one used a real groundhog named Scooter in the movie, but also created a robotic groundhog for some of the scenes. This is one we're definitely going to be talking about before the end of this episode. The movie's original script was much darker, with Phil repeatedly committing suicide in his time loop before ultimately finding redemption. Yeah, the earlier drafts of this script were very, very different from the kind of romantic comedy type movie that we ended up getting. Yeah, I really can't see Tom Hanks doing that. No. And then the last little bit that I've got here, trivia-wise, and we can talk about this too, but this is kind of the movie that ended up causing the split between Harold Ramis and Bill Murray. That they mm-hmm. had had been friends and worked together up to this point, and then it was on this movie and kind of their creative differences that caused them to kind of split from each other. Harold Ramis, and this is something I want to talk a little bit more about as we go along. Harold Ramis wanted to focus on the movie's philosophical and spiritual themes. That was the idea of personal transformation, things like that. Bill Murray wanted to play up the comedy of it and do more improvising. And apparently their disagreements got so heated that they stopped speaking to each other during the last part of production and that they... They just had so very different visions of how this was how this film was supposed to turn out, and they obviously they they both went on to do successful things later on, but apparently they did not speak again until or or, or they really didn't talk much at all. They it was Harold Ramis died in 2014, and I don't remember how early it was before that, but as he was, it wasn't too far away from when he died that Bill Murray did come by his house and they talked for a while and they kind of reconciled their differences. But it had been a long stretch from the early 90s until the early 20-teens that they had not been really speaking to each other very much after doing several movies together pretty early on. Mm -hmm. All right. In a world where time is a prison, one man will relive the same day over and over again. Bill Murray stars as Phil Connors, a weatherman who finds himself trapped in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, covering the annual Groundhog Day Festival. When he wakes up the next morning to find that it's the same day again, Phil is forced to confront his own shortcomings and try to make the most of every day. 
with hilarious hijinks and heartfelt moments, Groundhog Day is a timeless classic, literally, that will keep you laughing and inspire you to live your best life. Time. A thousand people freezing their butts off waiting to worship a rat. Weatherman Phil Connors is spending the day in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania. Phil? Ned! Ned Ryerson, I did the whistling belly button trick at the high school talent show. Bing! Bing! But Phil's about to find out. He's not just stuck in Puxatawney. Will you be checking out today, Mr. Connors? Chance of departure today, 100%. He's stuck... It's Groundhog Day! ...in Groundhog Day. I'm reliving the same day over and over. Bill? Ned Ryerson? Bang! Do you ever have deja vu, Mrs. Lancaster? I don't think so, but I could check with the kitchen. Well, it's Groundhog Day. Again? At first, he was a little anxious. Bill? What? Will you be checking out today, Mr. Connors? I'd say the chance of departure is 80%. But now, we could do whatever we want. <laughs> He's discovering the possibilities. Don't you worry about cholesterol? Why? And living life mm. like there's Phil? no tomorrow. Phil Connors! Ned! Because... There isn't. I am an immortal. I have been stabbed, shot, burned, frozen, electrocuted. I'm a god. You're a god. I'm a god. I'm not the god. He's out of his gourd. But to get what his heart wants most... What are you looking for, Phil? A date for the weekend? ...means living this day over again, <laughs> till he gets it right. Believe it or not, I studied 19th century French poetry. <laughs> what a waste of time. I study 19th century French poetry. La fille qui You speak French. Oui. Bill Murray. Andy McDowell. To the groundhog. I always drink to world peace. Well, what should we drink to? I like to say a prayer and drink to world peace. Don't drive angry. Don't drive angry. Okay. Yes! Life has a funny way of repeating itself. What did you do today? Oh, same old, same old. Hey guys, welcome to the 30-something movie podcast. Our episode this time around is Groundhog... I'm not going to do that. I could have gone through and done the entire thing again. Actually, the because the Shirley podcast guys ended up doing their episode before ours, I had like a whole bunch of notes. I was like, okay, so we're going to do... I'm going to like restart the episode like four or five times. It'll be really funny. And then I listened to theirs and I was like, God, they did it already and probably did it better than I would have anyway. So... Mm. Mm-hmm. So, so a tip of the hat to the gentleman over at the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. We doff our caps. Yes, yes. We. You speak French. We. So, there's a moment, you don't really notice it in the movie when you're watching it, but you see it in the trailer. There's that moment where you see Peter Venkman in the, in the, the, 
the way he manipulates people uh-huh. in, 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 when, when he goes eight o'clock. I was just going to say eight o'clock. Oh, it's just... that same vocal intonation he uses on the turnaround when he said, when he speaks French, you know, it's that same, it's that same thing, that same Bill Murray-ness of it all. Yeah. <laughs> Ned, Ned Ryerson. Bing. <laughs> Bing. Listen to how he says bing. He just yep. with an inflection. Bing. Uh-huh. That so talented. Bing. Yeah, great. Like, I mean, it just, he is so talented at looks and inflections and all that to convey the, and it's not like ha-ha funny. It is ha-ha funny, but it's just, just to convey the emo- like he could just emote so much just with an inflection or a look or a you know what I'm saying? I it's just Well he doesn't he doesn't even really seem like a weatherman. He seems more like a game show host. Right. He doesn't even say like I'm trying to decide if his dissatisfaction with his job and life at the beginning is because he doesn't even want to be a weatherman the weatherman. Maybe he wants to be a lumberjack. A lumberjack, I was just gonna say. <laughs> But like, thank you. I feel like he's the weather guy who just wants to be the anchor, or he's the weather guy who wants to do a talk show and get paid a lot of money. Like, yeah. he's not a weatherman because he wants to be a weatherman. No. You know? Yeah. He's a weatherman because he wants to be a rock star. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, our major moments for this one, we have. I've, I've broken it down into seven major moments, and uh, I could probably just repeat a whole bunch of these over and over again. But here are your seven major moments to walk you through the plot real quick, and then we'll get on into our thoughts on the movie. Major moment number one: Phil Connors is a cynical and arrogant weatherman assigned to cover the annual Groundhog Day festival in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Number two: After covering the festival, Phil becomes stuck in a time loop and is forced to relive the same day over and over again, waking up every morning to the same. Day and the same song. Number three, and Phil every tries. Day he wakes up, he gets run into by the USS Bozeman. Yes. When he tries to decompress the shuttle bay. Oh wait, I'm sorry. That's if he could just I'm somehow, sorry. if he could just somehow etch etch like glue three pips onto that groundhog, so that the next day he can tell he should he should go with the the groundhog suggestion. Do we you drive? Do we drive on the train tracks or do we drive into the quarry today? The shuttle bay decompression will not work. I'm, I'm telling you, man, I think I might have to get Paramount Plus when it does recording just to watch that episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, the shuttle bay decompression is the one that does work. It's the the tractor beam is the one that does not work. The tractor beam is what, yeah. Yeah. The tractor beam will not be successful. Let's see. Uh, Phil tries to break the time loop through different means, whether that's killing himself or, you know, other things. But nothing he does is really making any kind of a difference at all. He becomes increasingly frustrated, leading to various antics and self-destructive behavior. Moment number four, over time, Phil begins to use his predicament to his advantage, learning new skills, helping others, and attempting to woo his producer, Rita. Although at this point, he's still very, very selfish about these new skills that he's learning. He's using it to manipulate people. And I would say at this point, if he is helping other people with it, it is for his advantage, not for others. Number five, despite making some progress, Phil is unable to break the time loop and becomes depressed and suicidal, kind of feeling trapped in a meaningless existence. 
Number six, after numerous attempts to escape, Phil finally realizes the only way, I don't even know if he realizes this, but he realizes that the only way to escape the time loop is becoming a better person and changing his selfish ways. He begins to improve himself by helping others, learning new things, and being a kinder person. Yeah, I'm going to ask, I, a, quick, I'm gonna ask yeah. a quick question. Did you say... I'm, I'm, I miss it. Did you say you're not sure if that was the case? I'm not sure that he. Well, because the the way I the way I have it written out here, I I kind of wrote it out. and I'm like, no, actually, that's not really true, or I don't think that's true. I I wrote Phil finally realizes the only way to escape is to become a better person. I don't think he realizes that. I think he just accepts the fact that he's stuck here, and that there's nothing he can do to get out of it. I don't think there's a time in the movie where he goes, aha, if I just become a better person. Yeah then I'm going to get out of this. I think he's just resigned to the fact that he's, and, and he moves beyond, he moves beyond the depression part of it into the, all right, well, it, it's moved from depression and selflessness to almost like a state of enlightenment. It's like a, well, why wouldn't I learn the piano? And why wouldn't I learn how to dance? And why wouldn't I learn how to ice sculpt? And why wouldn't I learn how to do the Heimlich so I could save lives? Of course I would, because that's what you do. The mountain is there. I climb it because it's there. The ice is there. That's why I sculpted it. I think he reaches a, a state of enlightenment, but I don't think it's because he sits there and he goes, aha, I figured out a way to get out of this. Right. And it's interesting because, in, and again, hopefully they, I'm not stealing thunder, but this is advertisement for, the Shirley guys mentioned that where there was a lot of feedback from various religious yeah. faith groups and, and people of different beliefs that were like, oh, this movie spoke to me in this way. Or this yeah. movie spoke to me in this way. And the one they mentioned was mm -hmm. talked about the purgatory thing and right. going to Catholic school for nine years. I, I mean, like that's especially seeing this again now. I'm like, I wonder if I'm seeing in a comedic way. I wonder if that's what it was being portrayed here. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So anyways, I find that interesting. But yeah. Yeah. Well, and and if you, I, I did find a website that, that had counted this up, but apparently Harold Ramis has shared other information. In terms of the amount of Groundhog Days that we see depicted in the movie, somebody counted, and it's 38 separate Groundhog Days. However, I was going to say, it feels like more because of the way they do it. I'm not sure if that's real or not. So apparently Harold Ramis at some point said that he is his thought, like his headcanon, and he's the director and the writer, his headcanon is that it's actually about 30 or 40 years that passes. Cool. And some people, like 30 or 40 years worth of Groundhog Days. Um, and some people have said, well, if it's more like purgatory, then this could be like thousands of years that he's gone through this. But I guess, I guess Harold Ramis himself at one point said it's probably somewhere about 30 to 40 years worth of Groundhog Days that he had passed through. That's a lot of days. Yeah. So. Yeah, but it definitely makes some sense when you think about it, like. Because it would take more than 30 days, I feel like, for him to go through some of these stages that he goes through. Right. You got like the ice, the ice sculpt, learning the different skills. It's it's going to take him a long time to get to the point where. Right. Is at that level for all those different skills. But yeah. And then finally, after finally breaking the time loop, Phil wakes up to a new day and finds that he is no longer trapped in the time loop. And he uses his newfound wisdom to pursue a relationship with Rita and live a more fulfilling life. 
have I covered the majority of the movie plot there? Is there anything you felt like I missed? No, I don't think. All right. Well, in that case, let's go into our deeper thoughts. Then put your little hand in mine. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and now, deep thoughts. I have an opinion on this matter. Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think? I like it a lot. Wow. It's very deep. Thank you. All right. This may be a silly question, but do you like this movie? And when was the first time you saw it? Gosh, when did I first see it? Though seems like when it right when it came out. I really did like it, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I'm trying to think of when I saw this too. I I wonder if I saw this with the fam, or I went out with friends to see it because I I I would think this was a movie. I would think this is a movie that my folks would really enjoy. Yeah. It's Bill Murray and Harold Ramis, so my dad would have gone to see it at the theater. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm trying to think if maybe that was like date night for mom and dad. And we ended up seeing it later, but I maybe it was a family outing. And anyways, it's funny because I'm just hazy on that, but I've always remember seeing this movie, right? Yeah. I actually, for a stretch of time, just out of spite, did not like this movie because I had a roommate in college that would watch this movie on a loop. Like, he would watch this movie nonstop, so it was kind of like watching Groundhog Day. It was like being incepted by Groundhog Day. Right. Because he would watch this over and over, and the movie itself is over and over and over again. And so there was a stretch time where I was like, I do not like this movie. I don't want to watch this ever again. And thankfully, I moved beyond that. I became enlightened, and I decided that I was okay watching watching it. But I would hazard a guess to say we saw this in the theater. When it came out, I think we would have been, we would have still been living in the U.K. at that point. So I would imagine if we saw it in the theater, we would have seen it over there. But it's it's Harold Ramis. It's Bill Murray. It's it, that's a combination. That's a combination that my dad would not have been able to resist. So I could just about guarantee we saw this in the theater. And yeah. then several times after that. <laughs> and it is, so, it is so good. Yeah. It is, it is, it is so good. And I'm just going to say, I know that I kind of swam upstream. I, I had some problems with like, what about Bob? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, some of that was informed because my mom had problems with that movie as well. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm probably biased there, but I think the one thing I objectively speaking Hopefully, it's objective. In that movie, I remembered that there was like it. It it seemed more mean spirited, whereas this one didn't. Do you get what I'm saying? Like I, I think like the the Bill Murray character starts off that way, but it's it's very redemptive by the end, and I think that's I I, I like that. Yeah. I would be curious. What I would really like to be able to see, and this is where. And knowing that Harold Ramis has has passed away and and all of that, this is one of those times where I kind of wish that AI was sophisticated enough to be able to, so I could go over to Chat GPT and say, "Hey, Chat GPT, 
make me the movie version of Groundhog Day that would have been Harold Ramis's director's cut vision of it. Like, mm. I would really be curious to see if he wanted to focus in on like the metaphysical, philosophical, religious side of everything on it, as opposed to as much of the comedy as Bill Murray wanted to put into it. I would be curious to see that version of that movie. We'll, we'll never get to see it, but I would just be curious to see what what that would have looked like. Not from an argumentative standpoint, but do you do you think that there's a version of do you think that it that this was not exactly what he wanted? Do you think that this was a compromise? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, or do you think that this is kind of the way that 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 this is kind of he pulled it in the direction he wanted, and kind of avoided it going too comedically heavy? Yeah, I think do, so. Do you get, I, does my does my question make sense? Uh huh. Yeah. No, I okay. think so. I I think that I from what I understand, it, it I think for this to have caused the feud that it did between Harold Ramis and Bill Murray. I think that Harold Ramis would have had a a vastly different movie if Bill Murray had not been involved in it. Or if Harold Ramis had gotten his way as the director, I think it would have been a very different movie. Okay, okay. Yeah. Which, not to weigh in on any one thing or the other, but I mean, obviously, if you put someone in there like that, like Bill Murray, if you cast him in there, you got to know that it's going to kind of go that direction yeah right like a composer writing a piece of music for music like improvisational music like if you write a jazz composition you know that there's going to be stuff that's taken even if you like you write a full symphony the director is going to in put their something something into it mm-hmm. do you know yeah. what i'm saying yep so i don't know see and because the only reason i ask is i it i I feel like what came out, the product we got, was really, really balanced. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it's like it's it's like really it's the it's it's like a it's like the right sauce, but like the right marinara sauce. You know? Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe you like a ton of garlic, or you like something really salty, or you like something with like chunks of tomato in it, or you and it's okay. Well, you could go off in that direction and all that, but. But you know what? When you get it just right, all those things are totally in balance. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, yeah, and I'm and I'm not saying also, that, I'm not saying that what we got is is deficient in any way. I would just be curious to see. I, I would be curious to see Harold Ramis's vision of it, the one that leans well, yeah. a little bit leans a little bit less comedy and a little bit more wrestling with the concepts that you know that that hooked a lot of those religious groups. That like you were talking about, I would like to have seen that version of it, not at the expense of not having this version. I just I right. wish there I wish there was a way to see both. No, I hear you. I, I really do. I no, I, I hear exactly what you're saying, and I I really I, I agree. I think that would be fascinating. Did you guys ever watch The Good Place? I oh yeah, that? love that show. I, a couple episodes here and there. Yeah. Okay. I mean. It, I don't know if it's I don't know if divisive is the right word, but I, I talk to people they either love it or hate it, or love it or indifferent to it. You know, I almost feel like this is maybe not quite in the same vein, but I I feel like it presents it it's it's thought provoking in the same way that the good place was. Mm-hmm. I do, and I think that whereas the good place had 
four seasons and was a television show and you could really drill down in these ideas. Like this was a two hour movie, so you, you couldn't quite drill down, which kind of, I, I think of that because of what you just said, like, boy, I really wish we could have seen how did he want to, what direction was he going in and, and how far would he have gone? Like, I, I just, I, I kind of think of the good place with that where they are looking at different philosophies and different outlooks, obviously the good place, they look at the afterlife. But there, there are some things that say this whole idea is kind of what you look at in the afterlife, you know? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really watch much of that one, just a, a couple of episodes here and there. We did watch one, and it... It didn't. I thought it was going to go a little bit more into kind of some of the metaphysical stuff. We had been watching a show called Upload. I don't know if you guys ever watched that one or not. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I and actually, I think there's one more season left. I, I thought I read That's somewhere what I hear. that they renewed it for one more season. But that is um, what I hear. Pat, if you haven't seen that one, I think it's on Amazon Prime. It is. Okay. And it's basically, what that one is is that it's a it's a not too distant future. And we have the technology to upload our personalities into a virtual afterlife. So as long as you have, as long as you have the money, you can pay for whatever tier of heaven you want and you can take your consciousness and you can upload it. And then your family can come, your family can put on like VR goggles and come visit you anytime that they want and, and, uh, and all that. And, and so it's uh, the show kind of, uh, I, I won't spoil anything in case you ever want to go check it out or if anybody else wants to go check it out, but there is a little bit of a mystery behind it. Like the, the guy who I, the, the catalyst of the show is that the guy who designed one of the afterlife and it was going to be a free afterlife for anybody who wanted it, you know, so that there wasn't like a tiered system where if you had more money, you got a better afterlife kind of a deal. He died in what they thought was an accident and it turns out maybe it was not an accident. So there's a little bit of a mystery going on with that, but there there are a few times here or there where they start to they do kind of tease at tackling some of the philosophical issues of it. Cool. Yeah, it's super cool. And I feel like I feel like Groundhog Day as a movie, even though it it leans obviously more towards the comedy side of things, there's a lot of times where I watch this and it feels very much like an episode of Twilight Zone or or if you've ever watched any of the episodes of like Black Mirror or any of those shows. It, it almost gives you a sense of, because it is, I mean, it's it's almost a, a morality story where you have this guy that was misbehaving, that he was not a very good person and he goes through this experience and it causes him to come out a better person on the other side which reminds me so much of old school twilight zone mhm mhm yeah yeah it 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 is and it's 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 fun to see him progress through right to go through the progression of just while it's party time, he gets to do whatever he wants. He's robbing the armored car. He's punching the guy. Well, no, he doesn't punch the guy. But he eats whatever he wants. He's trying to, then he's trying to manipulate the situation, get to know people just to, for his own selfish gain. And then he gets angry and kind of gives up on things and he starts, he's just crushed. So it's like, okay, well, I'm going to start treating people nicely. I'll bring him some coffee. I'll bake because he just kind of realizes like, 
he's stuck in this thing and it's kind of like the 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 it's kind of like depressed and he's angry about it he's punching ned ryerson in the face and then the one that hits is when it's like it's he's trying to save the homeless guy and that's like oh geez you know and that's kind of like i i thought that came across so strong because it's just like well wait a minute no like i'm gonna save this guy yeah and you know and then it's like okay well you can't save everyone and all this. and then you realize like oh my gosh if he was in there for what did they say? 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Mm -hmm. He had to watch this person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Die. However many times I'm not going to do the math quick and say 365 times 30 and figure that whole thing out. I should be able to do the math pretty quick. Anyways, the point is, it's just fun to see him progress through and then just become genuinely like, I want to, I just want to be a better person. Right. Pat, to to answer your question, in thirty years, let's let's say let's go on the shorter side of things. Thirty years mm-hmm. is just a little bit shy of eleven thousand days. All right, there you go. So normally, it was my understanding that there would be no math, but I feel like we had to do a little math for this one. We did have to do a little math. Yeah, yeah. If it's thirty thirty years, roughly thirty to forty years, as Harold Ramis has said that it could have been, then we're looking at about 10,950 days. So, yeah, over over 10,000, almost 11,000 times that he would have gone through, that he would have witnessed that guy dying, or he would have gone through the time that he would have had to do all the things that he did. And isn't that, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that the idea behind the belief in reincarnation was, is the idea that you're just going to keep coming back and the mm-hmm. more you can better yourself, the more you come back as a, either a more in, you know enlightened or higher person. Or no, you're not. You know, yeah, because mm-hmm. you're on the road yeah. to enlightenment. And so, if you work to better yourself, and you come back, and things are better. If you don't, then you go the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I mean, you've got. I mean, he he goes through this cycle of experiences until he learns to live selflessly and compassionately towards other people. That's part of the, so here I'll I'll actually get to use some of my religious studies and history minor from college. So I'm going to dig back in my brain to, to what I can remember of stuff that that was, that was that far that long ago, which based on the math is roughly 6,000 days for me. It's like twice now that you've invoked math. I just want to make sure. Yeah. You're feeling okay. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. Concerned about you, I think, yeah. in a way that yeah. I've, I've been, I've been, I've been reliving this podcast recording over and over again for eleven thousand times. So I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get it right. Is what I'm. That'll doing. do. That'll do it to you. All yeah. right. So that'll do, pig. That'll do. So his cycle of going through it. There's, and I'm gonna probably mispronounce it. Samsara is the Buddhist belief in the cycle of rebirth. So the whole idea of him reliving this over and over and over again in order to learn to live an enlightened life, live selflessly and and compassionately towards other people, that your actions in your current life affect your fate in your future lives. So if you are a terrible person and you mistreat other people, then as you go through that cycle of rebirth, you ultimately would then, you, you would become, you'd be demoted, I guess, for, for lack of a better term. So, interesting. Um, 
you know, and, and, and the idea as he's going through his different transformations, as he's becoming more kind of mindful of himself and his behavior and his actions, you know, this, a lot of the talk of mindfulness and, and self-awareness in terms of achieving enlightenment, that's very Buddhist. And I, I think Harold Ramis is Buddhist himself or, or was Buddhist when he was alive. And so I think that's why he was bringing in a lot of these and, and wanted to focus a lot more on some of these concepts. You know, when, you're, when your actions have consequences, both in the current life and your future lives, the whole Buddhist concept of karma is that his repeated experiences allow him to learn from those mistakes and take actions that would then benefit others as opposed to himself, ultimately leading him to grow as a person and reach a stage of enlightenment, which I think is what he does by the end of the, by the time you get to the end of the movie, that's how he gets out of this loop is he has reached a state of enlightenment. He is now almost completely selfless. He is, he's not just anything that he's doing, you know, to, to get to know Rita better or anything like that. It's not manipulation. It's not selfishness. It's, what can he actually do to be a better person and to see her as a fully fledged human being who deserves respect and, and all these other things. And yeah. And as I was thinking a little bit more, there was, I, I had to go look it up cause I couldn't remember what the name of it was. I was like in, a minute ago when I was talking about twilight zone and groundhog day, there is actually an episode and, and Dennis was probably screaming into his phone right now. If he was listening to this, there is an episode of twilight zone that is very similar. I think it was 1961 in the second season. It's called Shadow Play. And in the episode Shadow Play, there's a man named Adam Grant. He's sentenced to be executed for murder. He believes that his entire life is just like this recurring nightmare. And if he can just convince the people in his dream that he's innocent, he can break the cycle and wake up. But everyone he talks to in his dream insists he is guilty and has to die. The executioner flips the switch to the electric chair he realizes he's powerless to change the outcome and the nightmare is going to continue indefinitely. And so it is, it's very similar. It's got the whole idea of being trapped in this repeating cycle, trying to change the outcome of it, you know, and it, and it goes through some of the stuff he, that Phil deals with in this movie, like feeling powerless and, and feeling like everything is predetermined and he has no way of getting out of it. And so, yeah, I, I was, I had trying to think of what the name of that episode was from Twilight Zone, but it was called Shadow Play. So, Dennis, you're welcome. <laughs> Hopefully that makes up for me referencing Alien 3 again in our last episode. There's no hope for it, John. It's inevitable. Right? Like, there's only one. Isn't that the, isn't that the takeaway? Well, the, the takeaway is that unlike Alien 3, where even when you win, you lose, mm -hmm. in this movie... If you lose repeatedly enough and you learn from it, you have an opportunity to win. Right. So that's not quite as that's not quite as catchy and, and not as easy for me to repeat as my Alien Three mantra, but Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's a little bit more wordy. Right. And if this was Alien Three, then all the characters would have been killed in the credits. So That's true too, as they should have been. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to start a fight now. Yeah, I know. That's okay. I can say whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. And then, and then as of tomorrow, it's, it's going to be, you know, we're just going to start this whole thing over again. So yeah, everybody in aliens deserves to die. Then put your little hand in mine. 
Hey guys, welcome to the 30-something movie podcast. Our episode tonight is on Groundhog Day. Yeah, anyway. So it's cold out. It's it's cold out every day. What were you at the beginning of where you were reading through and you were like, well, wait a minute. I don't know if he's trying to do this with the idea of getting out of the loop. That's what I like about it is that they don't describe why he got into the loop. They don't describe how he got into the loop. They don't describe him figuring out like, okay, well, I've got to figure it out. Once I figure it out, I get through the puzzle. You know what I'm saying? It was just like, so basically for all he knew, he was stuck there forever and eternity. Mm Mm-hmm. So he just had to learn to kind of wrap his mind around it, yeah. right? And that's where I think it's wonderful is that he learns how to do it where he just kind of lets go and I'm just going to help other people. Yeah. It would be, would it be Chekhov's Groundhog. We see the Groundhog at the beginning of the movie. And what is it? The, there is the... I was going to see if I could try to find it. What is it? When he does get to the end and he gives kind of like his final, yes, <laughs> he he references Chekhov. When it gets to his, right. the final time that he gives the news report, when Chekhov saw the long winter, yes. he saw a winter bleak and dark and bereft of hope. Yet we know that winter is just another step in the cycle of life. But standing here among the people of Punxsutawney and basking in the warmth of their hearths and hearts, I couldn't imagine a better fate than a long and lustrous winter. From Punxsutawney, it's Phil Connors. So long. And then everybody's like, yay. Oh, they're crying. And, <laughs> and there was and there was much rejoicing. Yay. Do you have, of the different times that he repeats, do you have a favorite moment of these? Whether Is there a favorite line? Is there a favorite scene? Is there a favorite, you know, is it when he's just sitting there and mindlessly repeating all the answers to Jeopardy? That's pretty good. <laughs> I love when he's repeating the answers to Jeopardy, and he doesn't even look at the screen. He just turns and looks directly at the people that are watching the TV. <laughs> right? When he does the God speech and he goes around the room and just knows everything, I mean, that's... Yes. Because what's honestly so intriguing about that to me is he also, not only does he learn it all, and he's at 38 years or whatever, but that also means that at some point, he figured out how to remember all that crap. Like he's not looking at a notebook. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Well, and if he's been doing this for 30 to 40 years <clears throat> and it's the people in this small town, then I guess you would get to know him pretty well. If you had been doing this for 30 years, mm-hmm. every day for 30 years. Right. Yeah. Gosh, I don't want to be the downer, but I, I tell you the, the scene that was really powerful is when the, the old person, the homeless person dies. Yeah. And he's like, well, no, like that, that's not right. You know what I'm saying? I think that that scene is pretty, it's a pretty powerful scene. And it kind of hit like yeah. I was watching this time. I'm like, oh man. And, and then he goes in, he's like, no, I want to see him. I'm going to look at the church. Well, this shouldn't have to happen. You know? Yeah. And it's funny because I don't, I don't know. Is it that, well, because the, the God speech comes after that, right? Or no, maybe that's before. Uh, I, think that's, I think it's before. 
I don't know, it, but it's almost like it's almost like man, maybe he's, he's starting to believe it. Like he's yeah. like he figures out the angle. He, he's it's not like he's super powerful. He's just living this day over, so that gives him the advantage. But then he's faced with this. It like wow, well, how about I like, stay awake here? Jeez, we sorry about the on. He's faced with this 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 situation that okay, I can't control this. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I, but but wait a minute, no, I, I I should be able to help him because I. I'll get to him sooner. I'll see him early in the day. I'll, you know what I'm saying? It, I, I don't know. And then yeah. the desperation and just, well, the and the fact I, that sometimes bad things happen. Right. You know? And I, and I want to, I want to start my next statement with the, the following statement I'm about to make do not necessarily match the beliefs of the 30 something movie podcast or of John Reed himself. But I'm wondering in the, in the universe of this movie, he makes a comment when he's talking, when he's given the God speech, he makes a comment and says, well, maybe the real God uses tricks, you know, maybe he's not omnipotent. He's just been around so long. He knows everything. And I wonder if he, I wonder if in Harold Ramis's mind, when he's writing this, is he's trying to address some different moral and religious issues and questions. Is it the question of, well, how do you reconcile the existence of evil with the existence of an all knowing, all powerful, all loving God? Because then in, in Phil's mind, I think he's thinking, well, the homeless guy keeps dying. And if I am God, or if there is a God, why would he not save? Why would he not save that guy? If he could, if, if he had all these, if you were doing the same day over and over again, and, and I had all these opportunities to find out what's ultimately going to kill this old man, and how can I prevent it? And I have tried everything I possibly can, and it just doesn't work. Then is his answer for that? Maybe he's not omnipotent. Maybe he just knows everything, and there are still certain things that he can't help with. So I wonder if that's part of his, I wonder if that was part of Harold Ramis's way of addressing some of those issues and saying, all right, well, let's use this movie to somewhat tackle some of these ideas. Like, what? why is there evil in the world? If if God is all-knowing and all-powerful and, and omnipresent, then how could this possibly exist? Well, I mean, that's something that gets explored in one of my other favorite shows, Deep Space Nine. They, mm-hmm. you know, out of the Star Trek universe, that's traditionally, you know, I don't know, was Gene Roddenberry like atheist or secular humanist was his official, yeah, was his official thing. So, I mean, the bottom line is like keeping those things separate out of the sci-fi. But I think Deep Space Nine begins to explore that. And, mm-hmm. Good, bad, right, wrong, and different. They explore it almost like what you were saying, John. It's like, okay, well, there's a group that has a belief structure, has a faith centered around omnipotent beings. But when you look at it from a different perspective, though, they're just more powerful aliens, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not passing judgment on anything or making a statement or starting a religion or any of that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But it's just, it, it starts to explore faith from different perspectives and i think you get to see that in this movie too right and it i don't think it's necessarily representing as like trying to present truth but i think when it presents different i don't know i think different points of view and different ways to look at things can help you find truth right so Mm -hmm. yeah that's all i gotta say yeah All right. We got anything else before we go into our three questions? 
All right. Then it is Not time. that I can think of anything. All right. Then it is time for three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Well, I'd like to take a moment and say a prayer and drink to world peace. Well, yeah. All right. Question number one. Actually, I'm going to give it to you in an answer, and you need to give it to me in the form of a question. This country's largest lake, Chapala, is located near the city of Guadalajara. Huh? The correct response is, what is Mexico? Mm -hmm. Seneca is the largest of these lakes in west-central New York. Finger Lakes. Yes. This South American lake drains into the smaller Lake Apupo in Bolivia. Lake Titicaca. There you go. I, I just wanted one of you to be able to say that. And I appreciate it. I do. That's I'm I'm here. I'm trying to be an enlightened person and, and make this a better experience for you all every single time. So And we appreciate that. That's that's what I'm here for. Actual question number one. What day would you most want to relive? This was hard for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I don't know. I'm struggling with what kind of day is a day you want to relive. Mm-hmm. Is it a day that like, okay, so I'll, I'll take you through my thought process. The first one I came up with was a day that I was lucky enough to go to two baseball games in the same day. Yeah. And I love me some baseball, right? But then I got to thinking, oh, my God, the same baseball game every day. <laughs> like, that's brutal. <laughs> when you starting on try number two, you know exactly what's going to happen. Right. So, the, okay, so maybe not that. You know, because if you know exactly what's going to happen in, in that baseball game, then that is linear. And you can understand that. Sorry, that was that was a whole DS9 profits thing. Yeah, I, I saw where you were going. Mm -hmm. I just short-circuited. Try, try, try to desperately avoid it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I, as we were kind of talking through this, it was like, and, and, and my wife and I both kind of had the same response. It was, would I probably would choose a day that has no special significance, like a day when we don't have any obligations, that it's not like it, not a holiday, not a not some kind of event, not something like that, but just like a day, just a normal, average day, and far enough back in time that like the people in our family who are no longer with us are still here. Mm, so like I, would, I, would, I would pick one of those days, a day when we we are we have nothing going on, and. 
all of our family is still here and, and still alive and we could talk to them. Totally. That would, that would be my day. Well, it's funny because like folks said, it was a, it was a deep question, not one that's easily answered. And there's a thought process that has to go behind it. And that was, yeah. So do I want to pick a day that where my grandparents are back alive? Well, that day doesn't coincide with my kids being alive. Right. And do I want to pick a day where my kid, cause then my kids don't grow and that's going to be the thing that I, do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I don't, I don't know that I would want to repeat a day over and over. Yeah. I, I might reject that. And then if I have to face it, well, then I'll face it with the best of my ability, but I'm not going to, sure as heck, not going to choose it. Do you get what I'm saying? I get exactly what you're saying, Pat, because this is what you're saying. Pat just rejected your question. So when I, so when I go, Ben, I'm going to keep that saving on my phone. So when I go into the great hereafter and I'm faced with the choice or the whatever, I'm mm-hmm. just going to be like, I'm going to have that. I'm, you know, Pat's going to reject the question. Pat just rejected your question. That's extraordinary. Yeah, there you go. That's extraordinary. <laughs> what would you like to do next? Uh-huh. I'm sorry. What does God need with a starship? That's a good question. That should have been answered in this movie, too. You need a Groundhog Day episode of Star Trek. Oh, they had that. It was the USS Bozeman. <laughs> yes. All right, question number two. If you were reliving the same day over and over, this one might be easier. What food would you be fine eating every day? Steak, potatoes, steamed Mm. broccoli. Okay. You could eat that every day for eternity without getting tired of it? Yeah. Okay. How... I don't know how in depth Bo picked a meal, so I I didn't know if you needed a single food or whatever. But man, like I could, like you give me a salad bar and I will be fine. Okay, Mm, that's actually really good. That is a better call, my friend. Well done. Well, I don't know that I don't know that there's a better call. But but you're see you're thinking about long term. That is a better call because the variety involved. Yeah, you know what Nicely Jason done. Did, what Jason's Deli used to do with like the, yeah. all mm-hmm. the beans and all the I would say salad bar. Now it's got to be stocked with lots of different options. Well, yeah. Red. Oh yeah, yeah. If I had to pick like one thing to eat for the rest of my, I could probably eat corn. Okay. Corn on the cob. Probably eat corn on the cob. Like if you gave me one thing. Okay. Like we're talking like the opening part of. Prince Caspian, mm-hmm. and they go back to Narnia, and they all they got are the apple trees and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could probably eat apples. Okay, well, all right. Or like Black Stallion when he has to eat seaweed. Mm-hmm. I could eat seaweed. I, the point is, if I had to pick like a one thing, it would corn on cow. Yeah. All right. So, if I had to pick one thing, know? my one thing is going to be the. Uh, there's an Indian restaurant in the in the town that we work in. It's, it's called Aroma Indian. And Aroma Indian at the height of their, of their, I mean, I'm trying to think what, what year it was. Cause I, at different times, the, the quality of the food has ebbed and flowed there, but I'll say at their peak, Aroma Indians, butter chicken makani or chicken tikka masala and some basmati rice and, and a little bit of naan bread. And I could do that every day for eternity. 
and to keep my stomach happy, I will eat it late enough at night so that I can immediately go to sleep and enjoy it without there being any repercussions. Because mm-hmm. then I could just wake up and it'll all be fine. You'll be all fine now. We're all, so you think. <laughs> we're, we're all fine here now. Unless so, the unless the unless the effects of the spicy food follow me into the next into the next reality, I think that I'll yeah you'd have to eat it like ten every night so it didn't have a chance to revenge on you I right. suppose right. Is that what the bit about like when you eat it won't affect you? Is that what you're saying, Tom? You That's what I'm saying. Is like if I eat it late enough, then like the the spicy foods wanting to eat me from the inside that maybe will will not happen so much if I eat it late enough at night and then whenever the universe is supposed to reset itself, if it's 5.59 in the morning or whatever, maybe I can just avoid having having any kind of issues with the spicy food. Right. That's my... There's a, there's a whole strategy that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. All right, and question number three, if you were reliving the same day over and over again, what skill would you want to spend time learning? Oh. How many choices can we put on the list? I'll give you one, but you can have some runners up. Well, I I decided I would want to learn how to play some sort of instrument, mm-hmm. guitar, piano, something like that yeah. was my... I think that would also be mine. I feel like if I had infinite time, I could actually do it and learn to do it well. Yeah. I have a guitar. It's funny because I have I have I a guitar. It, it sits behind my chair in the living room, and it's very good at collecting dust. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. In fact, my, my lovely wife, she does dust it regularly for me just in case I ever want to actually try to learn how to play it. That's cute. But, yeah. It's, yeah. It's not interacted with very regularly. It's like those guitars and those paintings with, like, bowls of fruit. Like they're, mm. they're not actually for playing. They're just for sitting next to a bowl of fruit. It's about like that. So I'd probably be the same way. I, I'd, I'd probably try to learn to play the guitar. If I could have a runner-up skill, I would love to learn how to, I would love to learn how to, like, weld things. Oh, yeah. That would be sweet. Like, I've always wanted to build, if I had the, if if I had any kind of hands-on skills at all, which I don't, I would love to build my own, because I've got the, the Rocketeer helmet back here. I'd love to build my own Rocketeer costume with, like, a, a uh, movie-accurate replica of the jetpack. With like lights and sounds and all kinds of other stuff, but there would be some welding involved. I'd like to like actually do it out of metal and things like that. And there would be some welding involved. I don't know how to do that. I think that would be a skill I would want to learn how to do. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's what I would do. Pat, did you end up saying yours, or were you still trying to think of? Were you still trying to narrow it down? Yeah, so it's funny because, like, I mean, it's an interesting question because, let's be honest, most of the good things in life are things that you've got to put time into. Yeah. Right? 
delayed gratification. You got to work. The more time you put in, the more you get out of it. Right. And so forth. Right. And those are most of the good things in life and are all of the good things in life. And they're also usually perishable skills. Right. Like unless mm-hmm. you maintain. Right. You know, it, it, and so like, so you're, 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 thing that you said about learning an instrument yeah i would love to learn to play an instrument like really learn to play an instrument so i've been playing trumpet for God, how many years is it going on now like 35 years mm-hmm. and i mean when it's just like so yeah like that would keep going but then since i already do that is that like a cop out because i already do that like that's definitely something i you know it's that maintain thing you know, I like to run a little bit. So like running each day, like I would want to maintain that. So like, I'm trying to get in the spirit of the question. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So the other thing that came to mind is like, I love water skiing, like being able to do that every day would be awesome. Yeah. Riding a motorcycle, you know, yeah. Just going out for a motorcycle ride every day would be pretty sweet, but like, going to a racetrack every single day and just improving your skill. Mm-hmm. Would be awesome. mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys get what I'm saying? So it's like, oh, yeah. it's totally. hard for me to narrow it down because all these things in my life that like, like just being able to do it every day and really put the time in to approve the kids. And I started riding horses back in August and I'll tell you, like that would be something that, too. And like, like I take a lesson once a week and you go over there and there's folks that are there, they're at the ranch like every day riding every night. And I'll tell you, man, life is pretty good when you get to just kind of go home and after a long day, just go ride horses for about an hour, an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Sure. And like, I mean, man, like I, I'm just thinking and I'm, I'm just like, dude, if I could get over here every night, that would be awesome. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so I don't know. You asked for one, I gave you a bunch, but like that's, that's right. kind of the hard part with that question is, I don't know if I would necessarily pick a new thing because there's things that I've got going on right now that like you said, with learning an instrument, it's an ongoing deal. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I don't know if, if it's, if, if I got to answer like the one thing I don't know how to do right now that I haven't done. So it's not like, like probably learn to fly. Mm, Okay. You know, I, I guess that would, so there, there, in the spirit of the question, it's not something that I have recently started or been doing for a while. I've never done before. Sure. If I got to pick one thing, like that would, that would probably be it. That okay. would be learning to fly. Yeah. All right. But that's the interesting thing about that question too, is then if there are things that, that are like, like you said, the guitar sitting there, which it's funny. I was talking to a colleague of mine that's also a trumpet player. And that's like learning to play the trumpet. It's like, it's like weightlifting, right? Like you got to do it every day, mm-hmm. you know, otherwise just physically you can't. And, you know, so then if there's those things that you want to do, then it becomes a, well, dude, I've got to carve time out. Like even if it's 15 minutes, I got to like spend some time mm-hmm. doing this yeah. to keep things moving forward. I went way too deep for the question. <laughs> no, that, that was the intention of it. But yeah, so I guess you, I gave you the list of all the things I like doing, and it would just be great to have. Like, okay, that that would actually be rather calming because then I'd have eternity just to every day get up, and it's like, okay, I'm going to take an hour and do this, take an hour and do this, take an hour and do this. Yeah. Take five hours and do this. Okay, cool. Next day, guess what? Going to do the same thing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in, in some ways it might be kind of relaxing just because suddenly I don't need to worry about anything except for getting those things that are in the, what, what do they say? Is it in seven habits? You have the non-urgent important category. Mm-hmm. Remember that thing, the grid, the four different categories. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be rather calming just to have all the time in the world, just to do those things that I've been like for your pursuits. Mm-hmm. That's a great question, man. I love that question. Well, and someday maybe we'll free up some free time and have time to do some of those little things here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the other one, too. But, I, like I, they said in May- Well, the other thing, I, I wouldn't even necessarily, not that I, well, it would take some practice, but I would even just love some free time just to be able to, one of the things I always loved doing that I don't feel like I get a chance to do anymore is just write. I would just like to, I would love to sit down and write, but. Mm-hmm. Just don't feel like don't feel like there's enough free time to just even like free up your mind enough to feel like you can do that without sitting there going, All right, I've got fifteen things that are on my list I've gotta do. So even just having the free time, even if it wasn't practicing something or learning a skill, even just stuff like that. Like I would love to have time to yeah. to write or paint or do stuff like that. Even if it was even if it was just mm-hmm. mindless, just like just doing it for the sake of doing it. Yeah. All right. That is it for our three questions. And that is it for Groundhog Day. We are at 30 Podcast on all the different social medias, 30podcast.com for our website. The rest of this month of March, this is our one bad day month where everything kind of goes wrong in each of the movies that we're going to talk about. And typically over the course of one day or one day repeated 11,000 times. So this month we had Cliffhanger. We've had Groundhog Day. Next week, we've got a special guest joining us for True Romance. Then we've got Falling Down and The Fugitive. Our Patreons this month are Octopussy from 1983. Superman 3 from 1983 is one of our shorts. And Shazam! Fury of the Gods is from 2023. And that's one of our other shorts. Next month is April. It's our Location, Location, Location month where we've got Sleepless in Seattle, A Bronx Tale, Gettysburg, and Philadelphia. And then our Patreons are the Razzies of 1993, which will include Indecent Proposal, Body of Evidence, Cliffhanger, Last Action Hero, and Sliver. Our Patreon shorts will be Sleepaway Camp from 1983 and Evil Dead Rise from 2023. I'm looking forward to Evil Dead Rise. You don't say. I'm I'm so, so happy that there's another. And I know it will not be. It's not the Bruce Campbell Evil Dead, but I have, I've watched the trailer for this one a couple of times, and it is so creepy, and I think will be so much fun. So I am looking forward to getting to see that one. And then trying to figure out how I keep it to a Patreon short episode once I've watched it. Yeah, there's part of me that wants to watch you do that. Yeah. Like, great. I'm going to watch this. Probably going to have a lot of fun watching it. I might have to keep it to about 15 minutes. Let's, uh, that's, that's extraordinary. What would you like to do next? going to be a tall order for sure ask me once i get done with that ask me how do i feel and i will uh, i will tell you share your pain with me there you go there we go all right well thank you gents as always for being here i always enjoy talking movies with you thank you john for putting it together and getting us here yeah thank you i think this one was a really this was one of those movies that could be 
probably go off for another couple. Of, you know, I miss Dennis. I miss Jeff. I miss. Oh Dennis. yeah, miss yeah. A whole lot. But honestly, I get the vibe that this would be one that we're like we keep talking till about like maybe about into tomorrow, and then you mm-hmm. go, okay, I'm gonna let you guys be the host now. Good night, and then you're right. We're all gonna be over at your place tomorrow, John, for GDC. So, like, I feel like we'd see you and be like, so how long did you guys talk? Well, so it's time to come to work. Yeah, we, I, mean, we, I feel like this will, we, we just stopped talking about like it. Work. We just stopped talking about it about two minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, this is one of those movies that, like, there's so many different things to talk about. Yeah. And, I mean, we didn't even, we just nicked the surface oh, yeah. of the, the, the talent Bill Murray brought to it. Mm-hmm. And we just, we didn't even really address all the supporting cast and all that. I mean. Yeah just the, the way they set these scenes up and it was like different takes with the same thing. I mean, it, what a great movie. So here's a, here's a thought I've had for, cause we're, we're not too far away from our 500th episode. And I feel like we've thrown around some ideas for 500 in the past. So I got, I got to go back and look at my notes to see what we've said, but I was thinking about it with this one and a couple of the other movies that we've done of like each of us bringing for the 500th episode, each of us bringing a movie that we consider to be one of the most thought-provoking movies we've ever seen. And then we talk about it. <laughs> now, that could be like a three-hour episode. <laughs> sure. But that was uh, that was one thought I was having for 500, it Was especially after talking about this one, because you're right. I would have loved to have hear, I'd love to have heard Dennis and Jeff chime in on this one and just kind of share some of their thoughts. But that would be that would be something I would like to do, even if we don't do it for the 500th. I'd like to do it at some point, like have each of us bring a movie that we consider to be one of the most thought-provoking. Like it doesn't have to be our favorite. It doesn't have to be the greatest movie ever made, but at least the movie that made us think the most. Maybe we can do that sometime. Interesting. Yeah. I got my gut reaction. Yeah. All right. Well, hold it in there. We'll 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 see what we can do. Maybe we'll do that for five hundred. That yeah, would be a good I'm idea. Not give away. I'm just like now now I'm now fired up for the five hundred. Yes. <laughs> now you got something to talk about until you know you're at work tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah, I know. See, and it's it's so funny because like you know how Batman eighty nine. The mm-hmm. ongoing story is I got excited about that five years before. Right. So I I have passed that gene to my children. Oh yeah. Okay. Because like, is like uh, we're we're talking to what we want to do for vacations and trips, and we got mm-hmm. some fun stuff planned, and the kids are like fired up, and like we're talking sometime like mid to late June for this mm-hmm. particular thing that we're planning. And before the podcast, Daniela came in to say goodnight, and she's already got like her stuff packed for the airplane. Like she's got a little guy, her little stuffed animal guy that's coming with Mm -hmm. and like everything is packed and she's like, I'm set to go and here's everything and it's all worked out and I'm set. I'm like, like it is ready to go. And it's like, we're maybe four or five months away. And I'm just like, Oh, Daniela, I'm so sorry that you take after me in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. I'll help. I'll I'll do the best I can to guide you through it. Okay. I'm sorry, sweetheart. (laughs) It's going to be a little while. It's going to be a little while, but I am excited for. That's cute. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. We hope that if you've got any thought provoking movies you want to throw in the mix too, we'd love to hear from you. But in the meantime, everybody be excellent. And you know what? If you, if you, 
continue to be even more excellent to each other as you go along, maybe you will leave the time loop you're stuck in and you'll be able to progress even further. But if not, just be excellent to each other and go watch some good movies. And we'll see you right next time. <laughs>